Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Osiris. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. Marco Benevento is one talented dude. And it's not like he just woke up one day and could do all this stuff. It's not like he woke up one day and he was one of the greatest piano players, jazz piano players, uh, songwriters, performers around. He has been working at this, as you will hear in this interview, since sixth grade. And to hear him describe the level of dedication and perseverance that it takes to have the kind of mastery over his instrument that he has, it inspired me. I think it'll inspire you. He has a new album out on the 10th of June, Benevento. I think this should probably drop right around that time. He plays everything on the album himself. He wrote all the songs. Whatever, no big deal. He's kind of a big deal. He's kind of a big deal. Marco Benevento is pretty great, and it was it's a real pleasure to get to talk to him. He and I both live in the Hudson Valley. Um, I'm hoping that our paths cross in real life soon, although I'm not going to lie. I was intimidated by the idea of talking to him because as someone who just strums cowboy chords on acoustic guitars and makes up lyrics that I think are funny, you know, it's... Um, it's a far cry from being able to play a John Coltrane tune on piano, for instance. But the world is big enough for all of us. The world of art is big enough for all of us. And I'm really glad that I got to have this conversation with Marco, and I'm really glad you're going to get to hear it. So please welcome to Wheels Off, the great Marco Benevento. Welcome to Wheels Off, Marco Benevento. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, yeah. Let's let's dive in, baby. I'm 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 here. I'm ready to dive in. <laughs> um, for the edification of our listeners, from where are you joining us? Uh, I am in Woodstock, New York, in my studio. My I just moved 
into a new studio. I was in the smaller space and now I'm in a bigger space and I, and I love it here. Um, that's that's great. great. From the yeah. sound of your music, I think you need as much space as possible. <laughs> yeah. The, the, uh, the, the little outbuilding I had before this bigger building, it was, it was like 20 feet by like 10 feet. And with all the amount of pianos and keyboards and drum sets and amps and microphones and all sorts of stuff. I mean, that, that was that place was shrinking big time so uh i made the move nice. here and yeah and it's it's great it's still i'm still jam jam packed in here but it's a little bit a little bit more room to walk around at least and you just rolled in um the night before we we're recording this you just got back from tour yeah yeah i just played in Asheville, atlanta um cincinnati actually uh yeah it was fun it's fun little run the Cincinnati side, not the Louisville side. Is it Louisville or Lexington? Lexington. That's Lexington. Yes. We were actually on the on the uh, on the Kentucky side. Oh yeah, Southgate Newport. in Newport, Kentucky. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Nice man. Yeah, it was fun. And and I got a chance to go because we fl I flew in the everybody flew in the night before, uh, and I got in and there was a baseball game and i went and saw the cincinnati reds i went to like that enormous uh stadium by myself and saw a game and it was or it saw like a couple innings and then just went out and, and it was just like one of those like a really nice night and and i don't and i'm not even really one to, to go to do that sort of thing but i it was just one of those like oh i got some downtime uh why the hell not let's just walk right into this stadium and it was awesome. It was a really cool stadium. <laughs> and then I went the next day, even in the afternoon, they had like a, uh, a afternoon game. And I went again with uh, the guitar player and we like saw some more. So anyway, it was fun. God, that's so great. You know, that's one of the most fun things about touring, right? And I don't know, uh, is it something that you missed being out on the road and being able to have adventures and find restaurants and events and stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Like I was just saying, um, to my wife last night i was like this tour was really great because we weren't so worried about the bubble you know like it's like a lot of people were touring and then like saying don't you know don't leave the green room we'll just order we'll order <laughs> dinner you know don't don't go to any record stores don't you know just just for the sake we're going to test every day to make sure you know we're, we're all good nobody has covid and this was the this is the one tour where you know it was a little looser because you know the numbers are down and yeah. things are like a little bit more open these days and it was the one you know the first tour since the you know reopening where people were able to go out to dinner and they were able to go to a ball game or they were able to go to a record store and not be nervous about you know you know getting sick or whatever so i don't know yeah, that's so great. I'm so happy for you, for us. Yeah. Um, so what what creative project are you working on at the moment and how does it light you up? Oh man, I've been working a lot with Leon Michaels, who produced my the record um that came out I think it was 2019, Let It Slide. And uh we've been recording a lot here in the new studio, um, writing a lot recording a lot and uh I, I just love working with him he's such a inspiring dude and he's a quick he moves quick and before you know it you have you know the handful of songs that you that you wrote together and they sound real good he's really good at, at capturing the music and uh um 
whether it be onto a tape machine or onto onto Pro Tools, he's just he's really uh, good at arranging, and uh, and he works with so many different people. So he he's got you know he's he's just all over the place. So he's he's an easy guy to work with. And with Leon, do you roll in with uh, structures and songs, or do you completely kind of go off the cuff? Completely like blank canvas. Wow. Um, you know, we like listened to some songs that could, that were like trying to replicate, uh, like we'll, we'll, we'll kind of get some inspiration and, and hear, hear a band or a song and be like, let's write something like this and then stop listening and then go and see what happens. And I'll, and I'll just like sit down at the piano and be like, oh, those chords were, you know, this and that we could just change a little by doing that. And he'll just be like, great. And then we'll record, you know, anyway. Yeah. So from scratch, which is really fun, you know. Boy, it's, it's funny how many folks I talk to, especially when they're first starting out, uh, like even uh, Michael Shabon, the novelist, talked about when he was very first starting, he would write Sherlock Holmes fiction, like fan, what, what they now call fan fiction. But yeah. um, it's funny how much, people that make stuff start off like um, kind of using other people's stuff as a springboard. And now here you are this deep into your career and you're still saying, let's take this and use it as a a starting point. Yeah. I feel like that'll forever be a a musician's go-to just like you hear a song and you're like, I just want to write, I want to make a whole album. That's like kind of like this one song, you know, like, based off this one song songs based off one song and and it's a great way to do it you know it's it's you know you just get the gears turning quickly immediately you know you're immediately working because you're 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 you have a frame of reference so you're trying to make you're trying to make it uh sound like that but as, as much as you try to sort of make it sound like that you're never going to make it sound like that because it's going through your filter and your brain and your your day that you're currently living in and it's just gonna it's gonna change so even if you're like oh it sounds too much like that song like somebody might not even catch the fact that it sounds like that song and you might think it sounds too much like that song but no one's gonna even notice (laughs) because it's going through your own filter anyway and uh you know but so anyway that's the thing with that i'm also i also i'm working on i'm always working on uh stuff by myself um like uh we have a record coming out in june and and it's just it was it's all you know i'm playing all the instruments and I, I produced it and engineered it and everything so and i so i have a batch of songs that i'm still working on as well um that are that i that that you know it, it's not me starting from a blank canvas it's me kind of working on some stuff that i laid down already so so i'm, I'm also doing that as well god i love to hear all, all this process stuff just personally i know i know it's good for people to listen to it also but for me it's so fun to hear it i wonder about i never got to work with him but you worked with richard swift yeah yeah dude. Uh, rest, rest in peace he's a yeah. hero of mine what was that like what was that process yeah. like oh it was it was so inspiring and it was so funny because so this was like in 2013 i think that we worked with him maybe even earlier somewhere around then almost 10 years ago um and I had heard the stuff he did with Foxygen mm-hmm. and was like, oh, man, this is so good. And I never really had worked with – he wasn't – actually, his role wasn't quite a producer. He, he, you know, it was me going there to record with him in his, his studio. He, 
he didn't change anything. Like he didn't suggest anything or, or, you know, he wasn't, he knew that my band was dialed in and he knew that we had our songs and he was just basically capturing us and, yeah. and that, but you know, just going through his filter was amazing. And, um, <laughs> but, but, but what was funny was we flew out to Oregon, you know, and at the time it was like, it seemed like crazy. You know, like spending all this money on plane tickets to fly out to Oregon to record. And then, uh, you know, we rented a car because he, you know, he's in Cottage Grove or he was in Cottage Grove and we say to drive from Portland. So, you know, it was like this sort of like big expense for us at the time, it seemed, you know, and when we get there and we're, we're about to track, you know, we like show up at noon and we're getting ready to go. And he has like one mic over the drum set, like <laughs> one, one, uh, one mic by the piano and the piano was like a free piano that he got from a church. Uh, the bass, our bass player was playing through a guitar amp that was kind of broken and like the reverb was up pretty loud on the bass amp and the treble was up and I was, and then, uh, and then I had a vocal mic at an RE 20 as a vocal mic and, and I'm, and I'm like, okay. Da, 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 da. And then I go in the control room and, after we like took a take of a song and there's literally four tracks going by just like drums, bass, vocals, and piano. And I was like, I flew all the way out to Oregon to look at four tracks go by. <laughs> and, and I was like, and I was, I thought to myself like, all right, don't we need like, you know, some options and some, you know, you know, things like that. And I was like, and that's what I learned and the genius of Swift and how simple it is, is that you don't need those options and you don't need that shit you know you need one good mic on the drums a good drummer uh you need one good mic on the bass amp with a good bass player you know like as long as everything's dialed in it's gonna sound good and richard you know he knows his eqs and he knows his uh everything you know he knows pro tools and uh he uh he made it it was the best sounding recording I had ever done. And I was a little frustrated because it was so simple. But then when you really hang out with him and I had known him even years before, because we would go play there a bunch. And so we had hung a bunch of times and I knew he was super chill and just an awesome dude. But to actually see the super chill, awesome dude make a record, uh, we made the record in three days, which is another amazing thing. We literally recorded the whole thing in three days, done, finished record. He mixed it like a day later or two. And we basically just had a record like in like five days, just done. <laughs> and we had his buddy Chris Colbert master it, and and that was it. And it was just so great working with with him because you know, you just realize that like simple is awesome. Uh, you don't need to overthink things. Uh, you know, as long as the you know, especially if you're there, if you're already there with the music and it's all there, you just, you just capture it and, and let him do his thing. And he, he'll suggest stuff and we, we would do it, but it was very minor suggestions or anything. It was really, it was a really like inspiring place to be in an inspiring um, uh, album. And so much so we, we called the record Swift yeah. um, because of, of working with him and, you know, his, his place is like a, it's a it's a uh, studio, but it's also like an art. Uh, it's also like a place where like a painter is working. You know, like he's he's got all these markers and paintbrushes and big posters and things that he's working on. Like he's super artistic dude, and uh, you know, 
just, yeah, it was awesome. And that's how I met Leon, who, who I've been working a lot with recently because, um, so we made this record in, in 2013, kept in touch, you know, and then Richard asked me if I could sub for Leon on an ARCS tour, the Dan Arbex sort of side project, which is really great. Love the music and the guys in the band. Actually, when I heard the record, I was like, this is so good. And then to get a text from Swift, it was like, hey, you think you could sub for Leon, the keyboard player on the ARCS tour? And I was like, yes, 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 definitely. Yes, yes. Yeah. Trying to stay cool. But I was like, this is this sounds awesome. And um, I sub for Leon, but we we overlapped. So like I like met them in the tour and then Leon like flew out like like the next day. So I had a chance to hang with him uh, and and um, and 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 richard was like oh yeah you should you should like do something with leon that would that would be really cool and leon and i remained friends and he wound up moving up to upstate new york and we became even closer friends because he was so close and we started recording and playing a lot together he also loves tennis and i love tennis as well we're very <laughs> competitive tennis players together like against each other and even if we, we like play doubles anyway uh super super fun dude uh and so richard richard sadly richard was like if you work with leon i want to mix your record and leon and i made a record and we sent him the tracks to mix and it was right around that hazy time when he was you know in rehab or you know things were just really going downhill for him and uh yeah super sad but he i remember him being really excited that we were working together and it was because of him that we that we you know linked up and uh and i'm forever thankful for him you know sad that he's not on this planet but um um you know but yeah he uh yeah that was an inspiring thing but yeah that's how i met that's how i met leon and i i also thought it was amazing that swift had even just sort of kept my name in his in the memory banks and was like oh keyboard player uh well yeah Mar marco could probably do sub for you know and i was like that's so cool that i was even in the in well, the you're kind, you're kind of a stud i mean it's not, <laughs> it's not like you're way down the list <laughs> oh well thank you <laughs> um, speaking of which i mean it, did you grow up knowing that you were going to be you and do this do music and play piano i mean did, did you have this vision did you have an epiphany moment early on do you remember how it all started for you when you were a young kid you know what? I, I specifically have an early memory of being at a um, sixth grade assembly, and the assembly was called Sonic Boom, and and I whatever I was just like walking in the you know the auditorium, the gymnasium, or whatever, and public school, New Jersey, and walk in, and there was these two dudes one dude on the left and one dude on the right and they were surrounded by like drum machines and like synthesizers and like all this cool shit and i was like and they had like headset mics and like vocoders <laughs> and like so this is like early 90s so but to me i don't even know what gear they had but i i think that i thought it was like some old you know moog stuff and like it was it was like i don't know how our school or how that i'm kind of curious to, if I could like find, probably can't, but just like, I don't know how that wound up in the uh, public school, uh, you know, schedule. But I remember going to this thing when I was like, 
I mean, sixth grade, I don't know, you're like, what, like 11 or, or something like that. And I remember, and I had played piano and I, I had like taken piano lessons because I feel like that's what every kid in New Jersey did, you know, uh, you know, like take piano lessons and have a piano, blah, blah, blah. And I was into the piano, but, you know, not too deep into it, but I did like it and I was kind of good at it and was like doing re recitals. But when I saw the synthesizer stuff, I was, that's when I was like, what is that? I want that. I want to know about that. I love that sound. All those things are, you know, so cool. So I would like call up the local music shop and be like, do you have a Moog? I think is what it's called. And they're like, oh no. They're like, son, they don't make those anymore. Those are, they're dinosaurs. And I remember writing down like, <laughs> they're dinosaurs. Like they don't exist. You know, and I was like, okay, how am I going to like, so then, you know, the search still continues since <laughs> sixth grade to find the, the dinosaurs. But but that was that was a moment where I was like, I want to get into the sound. And then my parents were very supportive. They got me like a four track recorder and they got me like a whatever synthesizer that, you know, like a Korg. Uh, yeah. I remember it was a Korg 01W and it had like a sequencer in it. And I like had these little discs that I could like record stuff. And I, I really enjoyed putting on my headphones in my room. And like even when everybody went to bed, I'd like put on my headphones and like just like play with the drum machine i had like a drum machine and like another synthesizer of like a actually i got a korg poly six which is a an analog keyboard and and that's really how i learned a lot about that stuff but then uh so that was that's one element of it all and then the other element was like the hammond organ like i really got into the hammond i got into the meters uh and also i owned my parents for my 16th birthday got me a hammond organ and Anna Leslie, unbelievable. I have the best parents ever. Wow. And, and, uh, and so I was in the, in the funk and getting all those cool Hammond sounds, uh, really enjoyed that. And then, you know, I went to Berkeley college of music for music, uh, for, for music. And I was going to do film scoring at first, but then I, I got into performance, which I thought kind of was a silly major because I thought that if you go to music school, like, why would you major in performance? Like you already know how to perform, obviously, because you're a musician, you should go to music school to learn about like something else. Right. Is what I thought. And, and I got into performance because I was like doing uh, film scoring and getting into that. And I was like, I don't want to like sit in a room with headphones on and like, think about how music should go. Like I want to make the music and like, I want to like play it live because you can't edit your mistakes live. You got to like be good enough to just be able to do it. And I was like, okay, I think performance is actually the hardest major. And I didn't think it was at first. And I got way into performing and playing and practicing and way into jazz and way into that side of, uh, you know, the technical element of things also. Um, just like, I don't know what it was, man. I was just, driven to to get better at my instrument and and you know what thinking about it now i think it was just because i would see kids my age or maybe even a little older than me or even younger than me at the time who were burning like piano players or musicians and you're like how do how is that guy so good like what did he do you know or what i want to be that good you know so i guess being around all those people really was inspiring all those students you know was inspiring as well also very intimidating and also then you just eventually after you get over the fear of being surrounded by so many great musicians um 
and even the fear of, of getting uh, criticized by your teachers and things like that. If, as soon as you get over that hump and you could just forget about that shit, which every musician should, you could just eventually be yourself and just be as good as you can be and be your own thing and have your own friends who are, who are good at their own thing too and make your own art instead of trying to be, you know, like the best or trying to be something that you're not or something. I don't know. There was something clicked along the line where I was like, you know what? I don't care. I'm just going to, I'm going to practice as much as I can and get as good as I can get. And that's just going to be how it is. And then I'm going to, uh, and then what happened eventually was I moved to New York city and, uh, played with a bunch of people and then boom, I'm like in a band and I'm on tour and I'm in new Orleans playing new Orleans jazz fest. And whoa, there we go. You know, like it's just, just took off. But, um, but yeah, well, that, that was the long timeline of my uh, inspira- musical inspirations there, I guess. <laughs> no, I, lo- I love it. It's, I mean, it sounds like you got very lucky, like you acknowledge that you got very lucky, but it also sounds like from sixth grade on, you worked really, really hard. Yeah, I mean, I definitely did. I, I especially those four years I was in college, I mean, I, I worked, I practiced a lot and there was no way around that. The only way to practice is to practice. And it, and it, when you're that age, you, you want to know like the secrets, like how could you, like, what do you just got to do to like get better real fast? And there's no getting better real fast. <laughs> you, you, you have to, you have to like take it slowly and like eventually it's, it'll, it'll, it'll go up, but it's like a slow process, which is so frustrating when you're, when you're 18 to sort of 21 years old and you just want to be awesome and you want to get called for every gig and you want to know every song and you want to be able to blow anybody away as, as far as uh, you know, musicality goes. I mean, just, you know, being in Boston at that time, it's very competitive. Maybe just because I was surrounded by that competitive nature. Maybe, you know, I have that competitive nature even just with playing tennis, like I mentioned too. Like I, I, I get bummed when I like, I was like, oh man, I could have done that better. Like, I'm going to go practice or I'm going to go, I'm going to go play again. And, and it really worked that out. Um, um, but yeah, yeah, I did a lot of practicing and, and one teacher uh, really, really was a very motivating factor for me at Berkeley. And her name is Joanne Brackeen. And she was the only female pianist to play with Art Blakey. Wow. And, and she's a heavy jazzer and has made some amazing records with some legends. And she kind of pulled me aside after a class and was like, yo, you know, you could be one of the best, if not the best piano player at Berkeley, if you practice, do you practice? And I, <laughs> as, as I was saying, yes, I realized that I, I actually wasn't practicing. I was mainly just playing a lot. This is like freshman year, sophomore year of college. I was mainly like playing a lot and like uh, transcribing stuff, learning stuff, but not really practicing. And she was like, and she was like, you know, come study with me and I'll, I'll get you to that level. And I just was like, okay. And she, it, it was like, go, like going to boot camp. Like she just like kicked my ass every lesson. She was like, she would just call me out on all my weaknesses immediately. It was like one of those, like, you're like, oh, she's so right. I can't do that. And I, and then you're like, I want to do that because I can't do it in front of her. And I want to show up the next week and do it because there was maybe, I mean, I don't know if this is true or not, but 
out of the say, you know, I, I guess thousand thousand lessons I took with her, maybe like ten were like ones where she was like complimentary or something. You know what I mean? Wow. It was like, but I I say this all with love, and she was the best. I kept on going back for more. She 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 really pushed me to just like know what I know and and now, which is just you know I I can get around on a lot of songs on a lot of chords i don't get st- i can read music i can i'm you know i don't get nervous if, if somebody throws some crazy chords at me or if they have to switch the key i can like do stuff and not be like huh you know i mean sometimes i'm like that but but for the most part i'm i, I can get around and actually working with leon kind of makes me realize like that like he because i i can do stuff pretty quickly and pretty easily that maybe sounds like a little more advanced than like some just you know whatever regular old sound whatever <laughs> but like but you know like i i could do some some jazz jazz stuff and do some fast movements and arpeggios that that kind of take it to another level you know and and all that stuff's great and all but i also love the simplicity of 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 you know uh, rock songs and, and not doing that and i know the effectiveness of all that as well but uh but yeah definitely uh spend some time practicing and i still do i don't do it as much as i used to but i it got me to a level where i can i can be i could be proficient and play with a lot of different people um and not uh, get too hung up on on stuff and so many of the things that you describe having done that you still do that you excel at you know um not, not just tennis, but yeah, obviously like going to Berkeley, playing freaking jazz music, improvisational, getting up with people and, you know, having to, to join a band and learn a, a whole catalog. Like all these things that you describe sound to me like patently terrifying. Like this is like, this is horrifying sounding, right? And, and because it's there's such a pressure to be in the moment and to get past any hangups that you might have or doubt you might have. Um, but I do know from my experience of talking to a lot of people and being an artist myself is that we all have doubt. Like we all have, we all encounter these sort of negative voices in our head that try and keep us back. So I wonder for you, when you do encounter those, whether it's, you know, when you're alone writing or whether it's when you're in the moment on a stage, when you run up against those, how do you deal with that? What, what strategies have you come up with to get past that? That's a good, that's a good question. And that's, uh, you know, I feel like even deeper on a deeper level, people even just feel that personally, whether whether yeah. they're a musician or not. Sometimes you something you could have a conversation with someone, and all of a sudden you're you're kind of down in the dumps about about something. You know, let alone the fact that maybe that attitude just in music and being on stage or whatever. So there's. There's just that element where that that happens to anyone, you know, where you could just be shot down. So, so how do you get out of that funk? Um, a lot of times, I mean, I've had to do, deal with this for so, for so long that, as I already said to you earlier, you're just like, dude, you're you, you're you're the best you that you could be. You practiced a lot, or you've done everything you could do to be here. So you can't you can't let it that you can't let that just completely ruin your day or completely ruin your performance or completely um psych you out at a recording studio you just you just 
like actually there was this one session I did with Leon recently and there was like this classical part that I like kind of wrote, kind of didn't write. It wasn't, I, you know, and we were doing it in the studio and I like couldn't do it. I was like, oh, like everybody dropped down. They're like, oh, you just go. And I, and I did it and I was like, and they're like, oh, no, try it again. Try it again. You know, you're losing time or whatever. And I'm like, I did it. And I'm like, shit, like I can't, I'm like, I can't do this. Like <laughs> I, and I, and it was because it was, you know, it was the end of the day. The song wasn't even written. It was, I was kind of improvising and also we're like recording at the same time. So it was like, it was a weird scenario. And I, I remember being like, oh man, like all the guys are in there like listening and I feel real bad. I'm like really not pulling through on this. And I just, I was like, whatever, I can't do it now. I, you know, maybe I can do it tomorrow, but right now I can do it. And I, and I just started laughing and I, and like the engineer came in, he's like, oh, don't, you know, don't worry about it. We, you know, we, we can't do it today. We'll do it another day. And that, and I was almost like, oh, like I felt real bad. But I mean, whatever. What do you do? You you do what you can in the moment. And if it's it's not right, you know, it's 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 not happening. It's not happening. Maybe you got to go practice it a little more the next day, uh, or you know, or whatever. I don't know. There's so many factors as to why things might not be happening or why you might be in that funk. Like for example, on live gigs, you might things might be a weird gig because something was crazy weird about your monitor or the like uh your your chair w like was about to fall or or like the lights were hitting you in some weird way or every time um you know there's all these fact or like the 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 sound was horrible at the venue just a, or this monitor guy wasn't looking at you you know and you're like there's so many <laughs> there's so many factors as to as to why things could go wrong and in my mind i i do just think like this is just one gig this is just one recording session this is just one song in yeah. one day and might not be having in the best right now everything's going to be fine <laughs> you know tomorrow there's always there's always you know mama said there'll be days like this you know like yeah there's always going to be when you least expect it some weird you're like what i i thought i we just practiced that and we like knew it and now we're doing it and it's like horrible you know and like i i i i don't i try not to put too much gravity on on those situations and just try to move on you know, just honestly in life, even too, if something's really not working out, I'm like, whatever. They don't have that. It's not a big deal. Uh, I'll just get it tomorrow, and it's it's fine. It's, you know, or you know, or like even you know, it's it's like a it's like a personality trait. You know, like you know, some of your friends have short fuses and and have cannot deal when things don't go right, or really get frustrated, and you and I and I or really get frustrated and you can see that in them. And maybe because I've been around people that are like that, you know, here and there, I mean, as a traveling musician, you're around so many different kinds of people, whether it's like a cab driver or, uh, you know, or somebody at the airport or, or a, a sound guy you're working with or whatever, but everybody has different personalities. So sometimes when you see someone getting frustrated over something really, really small and really insignificant you're like wow i don't want to be that person you know like i don't i don't want to look like that like i, I just kind of want to let things bounce off me and and i'm not going to get too bothered by by too many different things so that i feel like that's my personality in general too so i i 
you know, sometimes it's killing, sometimes it's not. <laughs> it's just like, and whatever, it's not your fault. You know, it's, it, you have to realize that it's not your fault. Um, it sounds like you're pretty good at giving yourself pep talks and talking yourself down from ledges and whatnot. So I, I wonder if you um, would um, try this hypothetical where you imagine a 21-year-old version of Marco in today's world with all of the BS of our of 2022. Um, what advice might you give 21-year-old you? In 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 the now, living in the now, living in the now, twenty one now. Wow, wow, that's crazy. Uh, you know, I'd I'd be scared of my twenty one year old self with all this social media shit because it it seems like even more, even more um, hard to deal with, more difficult to, uh, I don't know, something more bullying could happen. You know, more weird. Jeez, I don't even just because of that factor. Um, I'd be, I don't even know. I would just, um, I, I guess my advice would just be uh, keep practicing. Cause I mean, you know, what ha it's like, not only are you getting better at your instrument, right? But you're getting better at learning how to learn. So, and learning how to learn can go through everything. It can go through, you know, can spread through like being a good driver it spread through being a good uh, just person, uh, whatever, hanging out with friends. Uh, and I feel like, you know, I just feel like when you're practicing your instrument, you're practicing how to like get smarter. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're, you're practicing how to tell your brain to like learn stuff. And, and that goes through all facets of life from learning the piano. How am I going to learn this classical crazy Chopin song or this Bach invention to it goes to like, like how are you going to sit down and have a nice meal with your parents or you know, like, you're just going to like, you know, like just be, you know, talk slowly, listen, chime in. I don't know. Like it's, that's another thing. The greatest thing about music is that you're, you're dialing in your hearing, you're dialing, dialing in your listening skills. And, uh, and that really helps with friendships and relationships and, and everything like that. So you're, you're learning how to listen, you're learning how to absorb stuff. And, 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 and I remember, uh, like asking this teacher, I wanted to learn, I was like way into jazz and I had a really difficult time learning giant steps, which is like this really crazy hard John Coltrane song that, that it's like one of those like just like quintessential like whoa these guys are playing that john coltrane tune that's crazy with all these changes and i remember asking him man like just tell me what's the secret how do you learn giant steps and he was like practice and i was i was so mad that he just said that like i think it's a it's like uh you know people don't realize the importance of practice and it's and it should, and and you should learn how to practice in a fun way or in a in a in a productive way. You can do five minutes of practice and really get down to the nitty gritty and be like, dude, you don't know that one little spot, and you just need to like get that connection in your brain. But it's that because it's that one little glitch that you, you if you go over it too fast and you practice for an hour over and over the wrong way, 
and, and it's not going to happen. You got to like slow things down and really get down to it. You know, de- super detail, you know, microscopic, like surgical, uh, you know, musical uh, learning. And, uh, and, and that really like gets that, you don't realize it, but that lasts for your whole life. And for my whole life, now I will know this certain thing because I slowed down time and like made sure that I learned how to play, you know, whatever it was that I was working on. And it's, and it's, it's, uh, it's a good thing to just, just keep on practicing, you know? It's yeah. a good feeling, you know, you're spending time with yourself. It's like reading a book or, you know, you're just like sitting in the corner, taking care of yourself, re- like listening to your brain. Like everybody has an inner voice. You could like, you could say like, you know, something in your head right now and you could hear it in your head, you know, you, and you're, you could hear it. So everybody has an inner voice and the music helps you get that inner, that inner voice a little louder and a little bit like a little bit more in tune with, you know, I don't know how to talk with your brain and and, uh, music is just an incredible, uh, the fact that that's my life is just amazing because I'm, uh, it's a, it's like an underrated profession because it's like, it's really, really helpful mentally. It makes me feel healthy, makes me feel uh, smart, makes me feel like I'm, I'm learning something. I don't know. Yeah. It's really, yeah. So practice, don't stop practicing. Well, that's that's so great. I feel like so often these conversations, I end up talking to people about inspiration, uh, and and not as often do we end up talking about the work, the hard work. And I, I love that during this conversation, you've really emphasized that. I, I appreciate that a lot, and I really appreciate you giving uh, me and the listeners of Wheels Off this time today, dude. Thank you so much, Marco. This is great, dude. Thank you for having me, and great to talk with you. And uh, yeah, enjoy your day. Woo! All right. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. Osiris. Yes, welcome everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!